This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. And I'm your host, Chris. And we are also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. Now let's find out what's on JJ's plate today. Today we are sharing the story of Monticello. episode is a compilation of excerpts from Frank Friedel's and Hugh Sidney's Presidents of the United States of America and Peter Hatch's article, Thomas Jefferson's Legacy of Gardening and Food, from the Twin Leaf Journal online. Thomas Jefferson, a spokesman for democracy, was an American founding father, the principal author of the Declaration of Independence, and the third president of the United States. Thomas Jefferson was born in 1743 in Albemarle County, Virginia, inheriting from his father, a planter and surveyor, some 5,000 acres of land, and from his mother, a Randolph, high social standing. He studied at the College of William and Mary, then read law. In 1772, he married Martha Wales Skelton, a widow, and took her to live in his partly constructed mountaintop home, Monticello. Jefferson, at 33, drafted the Declaration of Independence. In years following, he labored to make its words a reality in Virginia. Most notably, he wrote a bill establishing religious freedom enacted in 1786. Jefferson succeeded Benjamin Franklin as minister to France in 1785. His sympathy for the French Revolution led him into conflict with Alexander Hamilton when Jefferson was Secretary of State in President Washington's cabinet. He resigned in 1793. In the election of 1800, Republican electors, attempting to name both a president and a vice president from their own party, cast a tie vote between Jefferson and Aaron Burr. The House of Representatives settled the tie. Alexander Hamilton, although disliking both Jefferson and Burr, nevertheless urged Jefferson's election. After completing his second term in 1809, Jefferson retired to Monticello to ponder such projects as his grand designs for the University of Virginia and to delve deep into the gardening world. During his presidency, Jefferson made frequent visits to Monticello, often bringing with him new plants and flowers to be planted. While away, Jefferson wrote instructions to Edmund Bacon, his overseer. Most of the planting was done from 1808 to 1812. After Jefferson's death on July 4, 1826, the conditions of the gardens declined rapidly, only to later be reconstructed and cared for beginning in the late 1930s. Jefferson's Monticello Garden was a revolutionary American garden. The vegetable garden was started in 1770. However, as we said, most of the planting and observation occurred later in the 1800s. One wonders if anyone else had ever before assembled such a collection of vegetable novelties, culled from virtually every Western culture known at the time, then disseminated by Jefferson with the persistence of a religious reformer, a seedy evangelist, you could say. Here grew the earth's melting pot of immigrant vegetables, an Ellis Island of introductions, the world of hardy economic plants, 330 varieties of 89 species of vegetables and herbs, 170 varieties of the finest fruit varieties known at the time. The Jefferson legacy supporting small farmers, vegetable cuisine, and sustainable agriculture is poignantly topical even today. 
Thomas Jefferson's thousand-foot-long terraced vegetable garden is the true American garden. Practical, expansive, casual, diverse, wrought from a world of edible immigrants. Although the variable continental climate of Virginia presents unique horticultural challenges, few places on Earth combine tropical heat and humidity with mildly temperate winters like those at Monticello. The microclimate of the south-facing Terrace Monticello Garden exaggerates the summer warmth, tempers the winter cold, and captures an abundant wealth of crop-ripening sunshine. To grow so many tropical species like sweet potatoes, peanuts, and lima beans in the same garden as traditional cool-weather crops like cauliflower, endive, and celery— without artificial hotbeds, had likely never been done before Thomas Jefferson accomplished this feature at Monticello. He imported many exotic vegetables and planted seeds from other American regions, which were brought back to Virginia by Lewis and Clark. He hoped to find the best type of each vegetable by planting a variety of each. Aside from its diverse population of mostly introduced crops, the Monticello Garden was American in its size and scope, experimental in character, and expansive visual sweep. 600,000 cubic feet of Piedmont red clay was moved with a cart and mule to create the hanging garden, and the terrace was supported by a rock wall as tall as 15 feet and also running 1,000 feet. Below its six-acre fruit garden that contained 170 varieties of the most celebrated varieties known at the time. Needless to say, Thomas Jefferson liked to eat vegetables, which constituted his principal diet. His role in linking the garden with the kitchen developed into a cuisine defined as half-French, half-Virginian. This was a pioneering concept in the history of American food. The Monticello kitchen, as well as the table at the president's house in Washington, expressed a seething broil of new culinary traditions based on these recent garden introductions. French fries, peanuts, johnny cakes, gumbo, mashed potatoes, sweet potato pudding, sesame seed oil, fried eggplant, as well as some American icons like potato chips, tomato ketchup, and pumpkin pie. The Western traditions of gardening in England, France, Spain, and the Mediterranean were blended into a dynamic and unique Monticello cookery through the influence of emerging colonial European, Native American, slave, Creole, and Southwestern vegetables. Jefferson's daughter Martha left a recipe for okra soup, in effect gumbo, a compelling metaphor for the Monticello Garden, a rich blend of American native vegetables like lima beans and patty pan squash, South and Central American discoveries adapted by both Northern and Southern Europeans and tied together by an African plant, okra, grown by both the French and enslaved peoples in the West Indies, rarely known among white Virginians and prepared by African-American chefs at Monticello. It is through the tending and care of slave labor that allowed the gardens of Monticello to be successful and vibrant. Jefferson, according to culinary historian Karen Hess, was our most illustrious epicure, in fact, our only epicurean president. And his devotion to fresh produce, whether in the president's house at a state dinner or at Monticello for the large numbers of celebrity tourists who crowded the retired president's table, remains a central legacy of Jefferson's gardening career. Jefferson also promoted commercial market gardening. The remarkable calendar he compiled while president, delineating the first and last appearance of 37 vegetables in the Washington, D.C. farmer's market, is among the most revelatory documents in the history of American food. As well, it was Jefferson himself who obtained new vegetable varieties from foreign consuls, passed them on to Washington market gardeners, and ordered his maitre d' to pay the highest prices for the earliest produce. Jefferson not only enjoyed the garden process— and relished eating fresh produce, but the garden also functioned as an experimental laboratory, in some ways as a vehicle for social change. 
He wrote that the greatest service which can be rendered any country is to add a useful plant to its culture. And Jefferson ranked the introduction of the olive tree and upland rice into the United States with his authorship of the Declaration of Independence. A Johnny Appleseed of the vegetable world, Jefferson passed out seeds of his latest novelty with messianic fervor, not only to friends and neighbors and family, but to fellow politicians, from George Washington to James Madison and the leading plantsmen of the early 19th century. Although few species can be proven as Jefferson introductions into American gardens, the recitation of vegetables grown at Monticello is a meditative chant of rare, unusual, and pioneering species. Asparagus bean, sea kale, tomatoes, rutabaga, lima beans, okra, potato, pumpkins, winter melons, tree onion, peanuts, sprout kale, serpentine cucumbers, cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, endive, peanuts, chickpeas, cayenne pepper, black salsify, sesame, and eggplant. Although a modest endeavor, Jefferson's only published horticultural work was A General Gardening Calendar, a monthly guide to kitchen gardening that appeared in a May 21, 1824 edition of The American Farmer, a Baltimore periodical of progressive agriculture. In this publication, Jefferson authoritatively instructed gardeners to plant a thimble spoon of lettuce seed every Monday morning from February 1st to September 1st as if the Monday morning lettuce sowing was a life lesson or discipline, akin to dutifully saying your prayers or cleaning one's dinner plate. Michelle Obama has said that the White House kitchen garden has been one of the greatest things I've done in my life so far. An admirer of Thomas Jefferson and inspired by a visit to the Monticello Garden, White House chef and coordinator of the White House Food Initiative, Sam Cass, reserved a discreet section of his garden in honor of Thomas Jefferson. In the spring of 2009, it was planted with seeds and plants of Thomas Jefferson's favorite vegetable varieties, tennis ball and brown Dutch lettuce, prickly seeded spinach, and Marseille fig. The Jefferson legacy in gardening and food is not a mere historical curiosity, but is a compelling force in the movement toward a more sustainable agricultural future. Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. Be sure to follow at Specialty Produce App on Instagram for some amazing produce photos. And while you're on there, give us a follow at Plated Earth. As always, you can find more information, recipe ideas, and spots of local produce on the Specialty Produce App. Tune in next time for more food fables. And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time.